is up YouTube. Welcome to New York City. I'm Chris Chavez, joined by Anderson Emerald, Kyle Merber, Dana Giordano, and we are live from the Armory uh, to bring you our Milrose Games pre-race show presented by Bandit Running. We're all rocking Bandit here on the show today. The New York City, Brooklyn-based uh, running company. Uh, this is actually spring 2024 not out yet uh so you get your first look here on the Sirius mag pre-race show uh both of you run in bandit often what do you like about uh all their apparel their rain jacket works really? <laughs> yeah i feel like oh, that's big if true you get a lot of rain jackets <laughs> out there where it's like i don't know seems like a regular jacket that's <laughs> getting rained on bandit one works really well no their product's awesome super yeah. warm winter stuff Dana, have you raced in bandit? i've raced in bandit and i'll say ladies they know how to make a pocket. Yeah. If you know, you know. I saw on one of their Instagram stories, they had like a, uh, a top that you could pack like six gels in. And it was like, oh, this is unique. I the, We need one for the men now too. More pockets uh, on the top. Anderson, you're rocking. This one looks cozy. This is- Your first impression. First impression. One of the coziest sweatshirts I've ever had in my life. I mean, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Love it. You know what I like also just in general? Like you see some people, some brands, you know, you can get that anywhere. When you see someone out wearing Bandit, it's like, all right. Like you see someone in the park wearing Bandit, you're like that person. They know. They're, they know. That's a runner. We're on the same team. Yeah. That's a runner. It. And that, I don't know, that's marketing. So Bandit also just recently relaunched like their membership program where you can get uh, discounts, early access. You've got exclusive events. Uh, you could check them out and you can get 20% off the membership right now if you use code Sidious20 at banditrunning.com. The code is also good for 20% off any of your first orders. So check them out today, banditrunning.com. Thanks to them for supporting us and all of our weekend's coverage from the Millrose Games. It's kind of cool. New York City company backing the biggest meet taking place in new york city so uh we couldn't be farther from from brandon right now they're in greenpoint and we're yeah, up yeah. here upper upper west side Bandit so it'd be a good though. run though taylor swift would definitely take a jet <laughs> 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 all right so here's how it's gonna go i guess like last year we ran through every single race and gave all of our picks and we were here for like three hours uh we also had noel isles crash our set uh but this time around, we're going to do things a little bit more different, a little bit more free-flowing, offer some takes. But at the same time, we have an extra mic, we have an extra chair. Someone may come and crash our set. But for starters, uh, Anderson, you were at the press conference with me yeah. yesterday, star-studded cast. And I feel like that's the Millrose games. There's going to be the top stars. It's a nice preview for you know either the world championships or the olympics but what did you get as like the temperature check or like the overall feel from these athletes for many of them it's their season opener yeah that's true so many of them their season openers but i mean the big thing is a lot of these athletes love coming to the armory they love the energy they love the fans they love the competition like this is clearly one of the biggest meets of the year and i feel like these athletes are about to put down some really really good performances you know what everyone does is they're like, oh, the Armory, like, this is this is home. This is like a second home for me. And it's like, you come here once a year. Like, get out of here. It's not your home. Well, I think, I think the thing about the Milrose games to me is this is when the racing actually starts. We've had some BU time trials. We had the new we had the indoor pre last weekend. But, but now I feel like this is the first time there's something on the line. These athletes are actually going head to head. And from now until the Olympics, it's track season. That's yeah. a good point, too, because I think Milrose is really unique in the calendar where it's like winning in itself here is a huge deal. Like just winning the Milrose games outside of winning 
a, a global championship medal or a national title, I really think Milrose stands on its own in the category of like a meet that that in and of itself of saying to someone, I won the Milrose games will forever hold some esteem. Whereas look like winning, uh, you know, the BU last chance meet, <laughs> Like, I, I, like, how fast did you go? I don't care that you just won. <laughs> and Milrose is in that sense where it's like, if you win, the time is secondary. Winning here is what actually counts. Yeah. Even I was speaking with Nikki Hiltz yesterday, and they literally said, I was training for the Milrose games. Even though you have USAs, you have other things coming up, but they literally said, I'm training for the Milrose games. It's a big deal. Yeah. So it's Milrose games next week, USA indoors, and then right after that, world indoors after a couple weeks. So... From now on, like, I guess, like, we joked a couple weeks ago about how, you know, Dr. Sander and BU was, like, the season opener. It's all systems go between now and Paris. So, I'm stoked. We've got to find a way to sneak in some rest because that is a long time to stay on 10. I was thinking about this like, quite in depth this week as I went on my very out-of-shape run this morning. I in was banded like, clothing? In banded clothing, of course. But I was thinking... This is a really challenging year to time. There's only about a month in between the Olympic trials and the games. So it's how are you, and you have to be at the top of your game. People are running faster than ever before. Like what is the game plan going in? And like what are those moments you need to peak? Because a lot of these athletes really need to get wins to have the confidence to perform at the trials. But like from February until August, that's just, that is one of the most challenging feats in sport. I, I think the thing that you'll see is more so in an Olympic year than any other year, athletes will drop out of races last second. Like if things are not perfect, you don't necessarily risk it in an Olympic year. But if momentum is good, you do want to start building that confidence. And look, we see it every year where someone comes out and they crush it early and it's like, oh, they're not going to hold it. And then guess what happens? Like Josh Kerr wins a 3K and then <laughs> he wins Worlds. Like you can hold it. You can do it. There's this idea in some camps that you can only peak once a year. It's not true. We saw Centro win world indoors and then come around and win the Olympic that same year. We've seen that multiple, multiple times across all event groups. You can do both. And indoors, though, like, you blink and it's over. Yeah. So one quick thing before we start touching on all of the events is, like, it's a loaded calendar year, right, with world cross, world indoors, just regular indoor meets and then prepping for the outdoor season that a lot of these athletes are picking and choosing where their priorities are. And... Um, sandwich in between two guys, one who will be going to World Indoors, Anderson will be there getting interviews and all the good stuff from Glasgow, and then one of the biggest World Indoor proponents here, Kyle, <laughs> who's like making, he, you've just kind of bookmarked that whole weekend, you're like, you nonstop text me and Mac, like, what are we doing for World Indoors, what are we doing? Yeah. I didn't like, have enough PTO to go myself, <laughs> I'm saving it for the Olympics. <laughs> so, alright, for the two of you, I guess, make the case why, like, you know, some of these athletes have been very quick to be like, no, I'm prioritizing the outdoor season, just training through the indoor season. What is the draw of the World Indoor Championships in, in a year like this that they should go? Yeah, well, it's another title that you have the chance. It's like bragging rights going into the Olympic year. And I'm, I'm actually surprised how many athletes have said that they are going to take on, you know, World Indoors. I think Yara said he's going to be running. Noah Lyles, Christian Coleman, right? So it's another thing where I could say, okay, I proved myself indoors. Now I'm going into the Olympics and... You have to beat me. Y'all have to actually beat me when going in these races. Anderson, do you think it makes a difference, though, for a sprinter versus a distance runner? Because I feel like with the sprints, you want to go head-to-head. -head. More reps is – it seems like the sprinters have a better ability to race more frequently against their main competition. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. – 
versus some of the distance runners. So I kind of want to get both of your takes on that. Yeah, I mean, I think the sprinters, they are all about those bragging rights. They are all like, I'm going to put down this marker. I want to get into the head of my competition, right? I want to put something out. And especially when you're talking about like the 60 meter dash that translates into the 100. I want to make sure I'm showing people I'm the fastest in the world right now. You have to come and beat me, right? So, and even like the sprinters, the hurdlers across the board, I really think they want to put something down. I think the reason why I'm such a big fan of world indoors is because indoor track, short track in general, <laughs> is an environment that is really difficult to replicate at most meet outdoors. You, you'll see it here at the Milrose Games. The fans are on top of you. It is loud. It is hot. Like it, There's a lot of intensity and pressure, and that's harder to get at some really great outdoor meets. It's just difficult to replicate. And so from like a building the sport standpoint, I always think that indoor track is easier. It's easier to fill a 200 meter track with fans than it is 400 meters. But from an athlete's perspective, and I think of this again from like the distance side of things, it's tactical in a way that is very, very difficult to replicate in all of their meets throughout the year. It's physical. I, I think it's like one of the most physical environments too. Like you have 200 to go and everyone's there at the bell. I think we're gonna see some crazy finishes here today where you have to maintain your space and someone can slide through the tiniest little spot on the inside. Yeah, and it's, from an athlete's perspective, you spend all season long building up towards the trials or the Olympics, and then all of a sudden you're thrust in this position where you have to remember how to learn tactically. And for athletes who've been out of the NCAA for a little while, you really don't get those opportunities. And or in if you've only been paced races. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And so it is like an opportunity of like, hey, like get used to, boxing out, having your space, making moves quickly, covering others. And and so I think in terms of learning and getting into the habit of actually racing indoors is huge because even a pace race indoors will have that pace change and the, the number of guys on top of each other because no one's going into lane two. <laughs> and so it is a little bit of a different... Um, scenario. And I'll even say a lot of the sprinters, they're working on technical things. You hear sprinters saying, I need to work on my start, my first, you know, 30 meters. Hurdlers, I need to work on my first five hurdles. So when I go outdoors, I'm able to carry it through, right? So there's a lot of like technical aspects that these athletes are working on that's going to translate when we get to outdoors. Sometimes you'll hear an, uh, a sprinter be like, uh, don't worry about the time. That was great. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. what do you mean? It was like, oh, my first five steps. It's like, I don't know. What about the rest of the steps? <laughs> like, how did those go? That's why we need that camera that goes slow-mo along the side of them because yeah, I'm like, yeah. I couldn't see the first five steps. They, they do such happened? a good job during the Olympics. I guess there's just like no rail here to like get it. But that's my favorite camera view is. of all time, the slow-mo. And World Athletics is such an amazing job on their social media channels, yeah, yeah. especially on TikTok, remixing it to every single possible song. <laughs> Except for Universal Music. Except for Universal Music. But you're like, wow, the London 2017 World Championships are popular again. <laughs> <Right>. Like, <laughs> Let's do a more relevant time. Um, all right, so shall, shall we dive into Dive into some races. All right, so let's start with, you know, let's go through the schedule in order because that saves the best for last, both the two miles and the Wanamaker miles. But... You know, it starts with the hurdles. The, the TV window starts at 1 o'clock p.m. It will be on NBC. I mean, it's a, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm not entirely sure if I agree with the idea of staging this meet on Super Bowl Sunday, but it is what it is, and you can tune in uh, at 1 p.m. on NBC, stream it on Peacock and the NBC Sports app. But it gets started with the women's 60-meter hurdles and the men's 60-meter hurdles. And in this one, the big stars, women's side, Nia Ali, men's side. I mean, the men's race, I think, is 
really stacked. But Anderson, I guess you had the chance to speak with Niali and a couple of these other athletes. Um, what, what do we have to look out for in the hurdles? Yeah, so Niali, like you said, got to speak to her yesterday. I mean, she's like really focused on time, which is kind of crazy. She already has, she's a two-time world indoor champion. She's an Olympic medalist, a world outdoor champion. She's like, I already proved myself at the top. I just need to like compete with some of the best ladies when we're talking about time. And I really think Nia, she has a good, you know, really good field that she's competing against. But Daniel Williams is here. Yep, world Tia champ. Jones, right? I think that's going to be some really, really good head-to-heads. Um, Devin Charlton has been running well. So I'm looking forward to see how Nia Ali stacks up against someone like Tia Jones. Tia Jones just won in Boston. but yeah, Tia yeah. Jones also never ran indoor track very seriously these last few years. Yeah. And so to, to come out and all of a sudden take to the event really, really well. I mean, her time last year would win NCAA's most years, like yeah. just about. <laughs> and, and she came, she went pro straight out of high school. So she never even had the opportunity <laughs> exactly. to. Yeah. So, I mean, in that sense, it's kind of cool to see a matchup between her and a Karen Nugent, you know, like, because you're not going to see that at NCAA championships. And so this is kind of that opportunity of like, what could have been at yeah, the NCAA yeah. meet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anderson, what do you think about an athlete like who that's opening up at Milrose versus one that's, you know, had a couple of reps throughout the season. And what does that pressure look like when you're kind of opening up against some of the best in the world? If, if it was me, I probably wouldn't open up at Milrose, <laughs> considering how stacked <laughs> we need a rose buster, right? <laughs> like, I would, I would, like, get a couple races in. But, I mean, I think it shows that they're throwing themselves in the fire. They're not scared to compete with the best. Again, looking at both hurdle fields, they're super, super stacked. But these athletes know that, okay, if I want to be one of the best in the world, I have to show up and compete with the best in the world. So it'd be good, you know, I think it'd be, we'd like to see some athletes open up um, a little bit earlier, but hey, throw yourself in the fire. I'm with it. What do we think of just the pressure on Danielle Williams this season? You know, like wins worlds outdoors in 2015. Yeah, then years then year, I mean, there, there, there are eight-year-olds out there who are alive and don't know that they didn't, never got to see a championship parade and then comes out and wins again last year. Now starting the season a little bit different of a position, our eyes suddenly on her in a different way, especially I'm thinking of like the Jamaicans, you know, like now, it, look, like winning worlds, great, love it. Yeah, now yeah. the pressure is on. Yeah, and even more pressure, she's never made an Olympic team. So she's like, wow, yeah, didn't which even is realize that. crazy, which is crazy. Again, she's a two-time world champion, but she's never made an Olympic team. So she was saying that I think this might be one and done for her, just like uh, running this race at Milrose. But she really wants to set the tone of like, okay, I'm one of the best. I am literally the best, the world champion, and I'm going to make the Olympic team and I want to get um, on the podium. So we're going to see. One year, Sidious is going to make it to the Jamaican trials because the craziest things <laughs> yeah. happen at the Jamaican trials. Oh, yeah. And then we find out about medical exemptions and all <laughs> right, this stuff, yeah. and it's like, oh, they still made it the team. I, yeah. yeah, Jamaican trials is, is crazy. Um, flipping over to the men's side, uh, American headliners in this one, Cordell Tinch, Trey Cunningham, Daniel Roberts, a lot of these guys ran last weekend. I mean, I've got to say, I've liked what I've seen out of Trey Cunningham this early on in the yeah. season. He had that one good race, I believe it was at the University of Florida yeah, earlier yeah, in the yeah. season. And then, you know, yeah, I mean, like when Grant uh, Hallway's in the field, like, just get, he's going to win this race. It's this nice to let someone else have one this weekend, <laughs> yeah. Grant. Like, you stay home, you relax. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, Grant's streak and, like, his dominance in this event is, is remarkable. But I honestly think Trey Cunningham is starting to figure out this race. Yeah, yeah. I People sleep on the fact that 
back in Eugene, Trey Cunningham got the silver medal at the World Championships, right? Like he was he's, injured last year. He's yeah. injured last year, so he couldn't compete. But like, he's the, when he gets in a race with Grant, he's he doesn't want to lose. And even though Grant is undefeated, I think Trey is going to come out here and put something down, like showing, okay. Just because I lost last week doesn't mean I can't be one of the best in the world. And and we need this head-to-head. We need some more, exactly. some interest in the event. We need to mix exactly. things up. Exactly. That, that's what I really want to see between Trey Cunningham, Grant Holloway, Daniel Roberts, right? I love that the hurdlers always go head-to-head all the time. They're never scared to face each other. So I think it's going to be pretty good. I do think from the perspective of Daniel Roberts, Cordell Tinge, Trey Cunningham, if you're going to close the gap on Grant Holloway, it's like there's a lot of room to improve in that first 60, right? Like if you're going to beat him at the biggest stage, that's the opportunity there is like continue to get out well. Um, you know, Cause in the last 40, we have seen that Trey and Daniel can close and, you know, and, but Grant is so much better in that first 60 that that's the area that, you know, if I was coach, that's where we can close it. Yeah. yeah. And I'd also say, don't sleep on Cordell Tinch. I mean, the, D2 megastar coming out of last year. I mean, he wants to prove himself that, like, listen, even though I made the team last year and I didn't get into the finals, I didn't get a medal, I want to be one of the best, right? I want to be one of the best coming out of D2. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what Cordell Tinch really does. Yeah, we've got an episode of Out of the Box coming out with him, I believe not this week, but next week. Um, so stay tuned for that. So that does it for the – I mean, do you have any hot predictions? Oh, Man, between Trey Cunningham, Daniel Roberts, I'm, I'm looking at one of those two to kind of get the win. I'm, I'd love to say it'd be a tie, but I'm probably going to give the edge maybe to Daniel Roberts. I feel okay. like he gets a little overshadowed, so I think Daniel Roberts might edge out the win. And on the women's side? On the women's side, ooh, I'm looking at Tia Jones again. She won in, Tia yeah. Jones won in Boston, but it's going to be a competitive feel. But let's say Tia Jones there. All right. Let's move over. Let's remove the hurdles. And it's just the 60-meter dash. Women's 60, men's 60. Women's 60 field is headline. Is Brianna Williams running both events? I think so. She's entered in both. Which is crazy. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what's going on. What's the rest? That's, yeah, that timing rest. doesn't really work like out. Is, um, 13 minutes? 13 minutes. That can be done. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. This one, a little bit of the spice got taken out when Dina Asher-Smith withdrew from the race. Uh, that was slated to be her Milrose Games debut. We still have world championship finalist uh, in last year's NCAA 100 and 200 meter champion Julian Alfred making her Milrose Games debut. Uh, I feel like it's all eyes on Julian Alfred. This is all about Julian Alfred. I think she's run 704 this year. She's been like clicking off extremely fast times, but I think Julian Alfred really here is in, during the indoor season is proving just because I'm not American, just because I'm not Jamaican, I'm, I'm in the mix. Like, I can insert myself in that little rivalry that we kind of have going on. And I think Julian Alfred has a good shot. She said she's going to World Indoors. She, be, she could become World Indoor Champion. And going back to what I said, that'll set the tone for outdoors. Like, you all have to come and get me. I don't know. Something that I, I am interested to watch this year for Julian is she raced so yeah. much last year. While in the NCAA season, you got, you know, you're tripling every weekend, it seems. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a different conference meet and regional meet and NCAA championship, and she's winning them all. But the approach to the season now can be so much more intentional. And the thing that I'm interested to see is, and she did an amazing job last year of holding on to that fitness that she had very, very early on in the winter, uh, all the way into the world championships. But I am interested to see, 
does she come out a little bit slower this year on purpose and say, hey, like I've got all this time to build up, or do you look for that race sharpness that clearly has worked, it's comfortable, like let's not get too far away from the system. There's some sort of collegiate playbook there. Like uh, the people that come to mind, you know, like Bryce Hopple's mega long season, Abby Steiner. Like you have these collegiates who are just on it firing. And I think there is something to collecting the wins, like collecting the infinity stones or whatever. (laughs) It's just there's something to these athletes that gives you a ton of confidence. So I'd be cautious if I was a Julian Alfred to, to totally scale back because it does make you feel sharp, feel ready. But you, you do have to be strategic about what your season looks like. As a pro, no shame in losing to college kids in the winter. Like, <laughs> you know, like they're, they're doing something different. They've got a different plan. They have different incentives in place. That's why you shouldn't race them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, uh, high schoolers. <laughs> you don't want to lose to high schoolers. That's a whole different thing. But college, you know, that's all right. Um, for Julian Alfred, I mean, Flo knows. Like, that's... that's uh, you just gotta subscribe to the fact that like you're you've got one of the best coaches in the world. Yeah. You're in good hands. But I'm also reminded a little bit about like the same way Noah Lyles approached last year's indoor season, where it's like, oh, you run the sixty enough times, you're gonna pick up on these little things to get that start better, and then like we'll see how it pays off. I mean, she was I put her in the medal conversation last year at Worlds, mm-hmm. and so if she's only getting better in that front part of the race. Then I mean, who knows what we could see in Paris? But it's still a ways away kudos to english gardner for you know keeping yeah. it going another season uh she's just from jersey so i'm sure she'll have lots of friends and family here but the longevity here is incredible it's crazy i where i was watching her back in oregon like seems like a decade ago <laughs> yeah. and she's still in the mix here at milrose i mean yeah huge kudos to her and she's she's you know she's always been in the mix she's always been a gamer she's always been you know a fighter and yeah i just love to see her always consistently out there fan favorite for sure yeah. all right on the men's side men's 60 uh the world record holders in the house christian coleman 634 pb this is where he's opening up uh i think he had mentioned when i had a podcast recording with him a month or so back that he was going to try and run like a 200 or something like that at a low-key race i don't know if he ever yeah did. i think he might have opened up a week or two ago okay two, but he yeah. still hasn't run a 60 yeah. it's him versus andre de someone who has not really run all that much indoors. You talked to him yesterday. Yeah, he's like, I literally said, like, why indoors? Why the 60 meters? And he laughed. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm not even like a good starter. You know, people don't look at me like that. But I mean, he's, Andre is trying to prove that he could be competitive in the 100 meters outdoor. I think he said he's going for the Canadian record, which is um, like 984, something like that. But yeah, I think I love to see Andre out here. But Ben Johnson still? No. I think, oh, I think that's um, Donovan Bailey. Okay. Next oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Olympic um, Games. But yeah, I mean, Andre is out here, but yeah, Christian Coleman, Christian Coleman, like I spoke to him yesterday and he's ready to like throw something down. He said he wants to put a marker down. Again, he's going for world indoors. Um, man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I don't think he took to losing the last world indoor championship all that well. Yeah. Was, it Mar- was it Marcel, Marcel Jacobs, Jacobs won? Got won. The, yeah. Yeah. And it was Marvin was also in that one. Mm-hmm. This is his event. And I think yeah. like he's someone who like in the last couple of years has been just off the podium in the outdoor season. Yeah. It's like, I think he's back to trying to prove that it's like, no, I'm not just a 60 guy. Like I was the world champion in 2019. Yeah, I mean, Christian, I feel like, is all business. Yeah. And he's competitive as hell. I, look, he got asked about <laughs> Noah Lyles yesterday in one interview, from, and he walked away. Like, <laughs> not us. <laughs> not us. No, he talked to Anderson for seven and a half minutes. Um, Go watch the interview. <laughs> but, like, 
look, it, it, it's naturally that's going to sting a little bit. The last two, I mean, I think especially in 2022, the sweep yeah. of the podium to be the one American not on that, like that that's a fire under his ass. And I think that in an Olympic year, we're going to see him coming out really, really firing. Uh, look, I don't know if we're seeing 634, the first race out of the blocks, but look, I think Noah kind of set the bar and mm. said, look, 644, if, I, if I'm doing that, like what if you you're got? Christian, that's his strength is that first 60 exactly. comparatively because you know Noah's going to have the last 40, right? Like, so if you're going to get him, it's going to be in that first 60 meters come outdoors. Can I just say something? kind of rogue but the thing about the armory that freaks me out the most in the 60 is i don't know if you can see behind us they hit the back yeah so oh, yeah. hard here ash neaton went over <laughs> yeah. in a way yeah. that i i don't see at other races i don't yeah. know what maybe we're just on top of it in the armory is that something you consider of let me work in the first five seconds <laughs> shut it down because i'm gonna hit it so hard yeah. every time i watch these races in the 60 i am Terrified. It feels like we could have a new technology beyond. I want to know whatever the, like, yeah. you, know, you know how we measure like how hard a baseball hits a bat. Like I want to know how hard these guys are. Oh Can we put that. a sensor put back there? I have an meter. incredible idea to the partnerships managers at the Armory. That's okay. a Tempur-Pedic sponsorship. Oh, Casper mattress. Call right. your like, name. That is. There should be a, a mattress sponsor that you hit. Right. That'd be. Mattress firm. But is that just me? Like, I literally, every time I come here, I get so scared. That's like the second part of the race. Like, you watch the 60, and then you're, like, watching the the last 20 to see I think you really kind of would like to be in the outside lane so you can at least roll off a little bit. You don't want to get tangled with people. (laughs) It's, uh, and it's going to be... So the meat sold out. That's going to be a standing room uh, right behind it. So it might be falling right on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where Dana's going to be. Uh, I, I will say, though, just on Christian, like, low-key, like, you know, Noah says Boston is his house. This is his house. He's a two-time defending champion. He's never lost. He gave, like, the, the shush motion last year. And the like, wave. Like, and the wave. Like, listen, Christian, like you said, might put something down crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I also, we obviously have Akeem Blake back here who... Like, if someone yeah. is going to threaten Christian, it's Blake, right? Like, ultimately, he almost beat Noah last weekend. He's really? got, I would, I would say, at the tippy-tippy top, you know, he hasn't really proven himself at the Olympic and World Championship final in the same way that uh, Noah and Christian have. But, like, we've seen him run fast. Like, we know that is in there. He's still young. And this might, like, if there's a year to bring it out, good place to start. Yeah. All right, so I think with these two races, it feels pretty easy. We're all in agreement. It's Coleman and Alfred, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah. It's a top-heavy favorite race. Then... Do we go 800 or 2-mile? Because they're kind of broken up a little bit here. Uh, let's go... 800? Let's go 800. Go uh, the I ladder. see there's a couple youth races, but we all know the real youth races are taking place at New Balance Nationals in a, in a couple weeks in Boston. <laughs> um, all right. So let's go to the 800. For me, I look at this field, and I'm thinking, we're missing, like, one more heavy hitter, right? Like, I still think about Donovan Brazier crushing everybody here in 2020 and just how vicious that move was. And now it's like, I miss him. I want Donovan Brazier to get healthy again so he could get back to races. It feels like we're still a ways off from that. 
still some solid names in this. Yeah, field. I mean, Bryce Hopple is going to be the favorite yeah. in this field. We know he's pretty fit right now. He just ran 216 in the 1K last weekend at New Balance. I think if Bryce is like a more true 800 guy, so if he's coming out and opening up strong in the 1K, he's fit, he's ready to go. But I smell a take from you that's coming. You well, the, think someone else might. The, the take is Sal Ordornius. Oh, that's not um, what I thought you were going to say. Is, is, is a very, very serious threat. He's run 144 many times before. Uh, he was fourth here a couple years ago. Third, if you take her out, uh, some guys who've recently been banned for four <laughs> years. Um, but so, like, he he made a classic Milrose Games mistake of just going out too slow. Mm-hmm. And this, like, these races are going to go get out hot. They're going to string out. And if you're in the back of the field, it's just really tough to close that gap. There's too many guys to pass and the bends are too high. And so I think for him, the key is going to be like, let's get in that pocket early. Let's not wait. But he is someone that probably a lot of American fans aren't super familiar with. But I mean, like his bad races is like 145. Like like he's super consistent. I mean, two years ago, I forget. It was the, I believe the, the New Balance Boston Grand Prix that took place in Staten Island was just like the invasion of Spain that they came out here because these are, I guess, one thing to remember is that we're in, this is part of the world indoor tour. So like there, it is, there's points on the line. There's, you know, all those add up and you can get a berth to the world indoor championships. And so that's why you sometimes think it's like, oh, why is this athlete from Spain making the trip all the way out here? It's like, no, it's like, it's all for a purpose. And so um, he's the one to watch. I thought, I know you're decked out in some amazingly nice bandit gear, but I thought you'd have an Atlanta track club shirt for this one. Yeah, well, Luciano Fiore, uh, you know, he, he came out here at Atlanta Track Club's own, and he got his bid from the Dr. Sander Invitational, yeah. which is a really cool way to, like, fill out mm. the fields at Millrose is if you win the 800 or the mile at Dr. Sander, then you get a spot on the line. Luciano came out, closed super hard in that 800, secured a spot, was fired up about it. Um, you know, I think he's a dark horse, but New Yorkers are, of course, familiar with him. Uh, and then... I would say another person that we're overlooking is Mark English. Okay. I mean, Mark just ran the 600 New Balance last week. One looked fantastic doing it, and has you know been one of those guys who closes very very hard. It's almost like every single 800 I ever watch him run. It's like if only there was 50 more meters. And I, I think um, you know, just based off his fitness last week, Mark's someone who I'm looking at. One thing we've been talking about a lot for I feel like for the past three years with the men's 800 is that we need. We need more consistent. We see with names. Yeah. We need more head-to-heads, and I think this could be the start of a new era for the men's 800. We want some heavy hitters, some fast times early. I want this to be an interesting event this yeah. year. Like I really want us to take a step back to the level where we're pushing on some like crazy times, and I think that would really bring some like life and interest back into this event. Yeah, because David Rudisha ain't walking through those doors to save the event this, <laughs> this year. Well, it's um, amazing how quickly also we like move on from Noah Cabet, who yeah, was like the name to talk about yeah, a year ago. But we've got three guys ranked in the top 20 in the world and in this race. And Noah Cabet, I don't see his, his ranking next to it at all. Uh, silver medalist at yeah. the last and I mean, he won the event last year. Yeah. <laughs> like, so obviously Noah Cabet is someone who can win this again. He ran 144 last year. His outdoor season was good but it wasn't great like that and i think that's ultimately why he's not the leading story here is he ran 144 at millrose games and when he goes to the outdoor season he really didn't improve much on that he won in new mexico uh running 147 low earlier this season he got under four minutes in the mile 
um, you know, I believe for the first time, but he is the former world indoor silver medalist. And so, look, if he's back in shape, he's the guy who's going to really contend with Bryce. It's just last outdoor. And again, like, I'm sure someone is, I can't believe you're not leading with Noah Cabet. It's just because his last outdoor season wasn't spectacular. This is all a game of what have you done for me lately. Um, All right, so if you were to make your prediction, who you got in this one, Kyle and Dana? I feel like I just talked to myself in no Quebec. <laughs> Dana? Uh, I'll go with Bryce. Bryce, he knows how to win. Yeah, and it, he's been at this meet multiple times. This one always gets physical here at, oh, at the yeah. Milrose Games. I tell you, it scares me out there a little <laughs> bit, especially in the eight, because yeah. there's some height in the 800-meter runners, too, so you can really get caught up in the turns here, especially in that last 200. Yeah, last year was super, super physical from what I remember. And yeah, like, yeah. I, I, but I think Bryce is going to put down. Bryce wants to bring some of that energy back to the 800, and I think he's going to be the guy to do Get it. back in his winning ways. Right? And, and you know what? He, he wants uh, he wants global medals. Like yeah. Bryce is, has his expectations very high for himself. Bryce is also doing altitude for the first time this year a little yeah. bit. You know, he's been pairing up with the very nice track club guys in Flagstaff. And so, look, you know. New new skill unlocked. So the does he do the, uh, the 48 hour altitude come down or the 10 day? He's on the 10 day cycle. <laughs> He's on yeah. the 10 day. All right. Let's shift gears to the women's Talk about two mile. Oh, the two mile, not yeah, the eight. Yeah. I don't see the women's eight. It's near the bottom. Oh. oh we we'll stick to the same the event. All right. Let's, let's go to women's let's eight. Let's do then. the eight. Well, I'm <laughs> yeah. just going to say, you can't talk about missing superstars that own I the know. armory. Yeah. Very true. Ajay Wilson's not on the start line. New Jersey's own. Yeah. It's, this is weird for me personally. She, uh, what was it? It was like she'd never lost a Milrose 800. Like 13 or years. At Mil- yeah, it was like an unbelievable. I think so, yeah. Someone fact check us on that number, but. Yeah, we were the ones who made the graphic <laughs> She should it. be the starter. Just yeah. like. <laughs> uh, I mean, oh, they the should guy. rename the race after her at that point. <laughs> yeah. because yeah. I don't think the Stern family would like that very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stern family dash. No, I, I think it's, there is so much depth on the U.S. side. We have five out of seven Americans in this field. So probably one of our least international fields on the docket today. But we're just seeing Ajay not out here, probably trying something new this season. Well, we have Kayla Edwards, Allie Wilson, Raven Rogers, Olivia Baker, and Emily Richards all representing the U.S. Yeah, I think in this one, Allie Wilson comes in with momentum having also, uh, no, she didn't, win she finished second uh but still like got into the race uh just a couple weeks ago at the dr sander invitational olivia baker just narrowly beat her in that one former training partners ali wilson decided to follow coach amy oder begley to uh indianapolis and is now training there unattached you know yeah, ali's unsponsored so yeah. there's a lot on the line for this year like if you can come out early throw down a good time like there's sponsorship opportunity available and i think it 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 takes a lot of guts to say, like, I'm going with the coaches that are working for me. I don't want to change anything before an Olympic year. Like, obviously, moving is a big change. Um, but it must, there must be some comfort of having Olivia Baker out there, who, Olivia Baker, New Jersey's own. <laughs> this is also Olivia's home turf, and I, I, I'm really excited this year for Olivia Baker. I think we saw a little bit last summer of what Olivia can do, but coming out very good tactically and has just 
grinded for so long. Well, I, I was speaking to Coach Tommy O'Hilly after the race at the Dr. Sand Invitational in which Olivia, you know, out-leaned Allie. And he said, you know, coming in, she's really, really fit. Like, Olivia has running more mileage than ever. She's got such great natural speed. But the big thing that he wanted to work on with her was a little bit of patience in that first half of the race. Historically, it seems like Olivia is always the one chasing the rabbit, setting the tone, and then struggles in the final hundred to hold it on and, you know, finishes second and third. But what happened at Dr. Sander was, hey, I'm not going to be the one to fall on the sword. I'm going to sit on Allie. And then, look, the tables turned a little bit. Who had the best last 200? It was Olivia. And so I do think that something in having a new coach is not only changing up training, but changing the approaches to the actual racing and the game plan. And so if Olivia... If you're going to make the 800 team this year in the U.S., you have to be perfect. And you also have to beat Raven Rogers, who's also in this field, <laughs> yeah, who yes, we haven't yes. discussed yet. Even, like, speaking of tactics, last week in Boston, Raven set a personal best in the 400, and she literally called herself. She's like, I was a little softy. I'm trying to learn to be a little more aggressive. So I don't know what she's going to come out here and do in the, uh, in the 800, her 800 opener, I think, for the year, right? So That's a soft 400 PB for her, though, right? Like... <laughs> Probably true, yeah. She was 53 flat or so. Like flat indoors, She's yeah. definitely split <laughs> yeah. 49 or 50 yeah, yeah, before. Yeah. She's <laughs> killing those Oregon splits, right? But, I mean, just thinking of those tactics, though, I mean, I, I don't know. What, it, what do you think Raven Rogers is going to do out here? I mean, yeah. it, last week's a good test because, like, when we talk about just, like, the aggressive nature of running an 800 here at the Armory, uh, from, from last week, I remember watching your interview that you did with Vernon Norwood, and he's like, no, like, the 400's very physical yeah. indoors. And so... I think that's a good thing to get out of the way. A little bit of practice last week. And, um, yeah, but it, it's just so interesting just how over the last couple of years, Raven is constantly, I think, a little overlooked from, you know, Ajay tends to win, you know, the indoor titles and a lot of the big indoor races and in an outdoor season, a thing is there. But, you know, Raven's just kind of been consistently at that top level this whole entire yeah. time. I would love for this to be like her getting her swagger back and going into, you know, the U.S. championships if she chooses to do that. Like a big opportunity for her to come away from that World Indoor Championships with a medal. And Raven last year in the mix zone consistently was saying, I'm coming at this with a new mindset. Yeah. I feel like I'm a different person. I feel calm. I feel in charge. Like, And I think that for a lot of these women, this this is a field that's been consistent these women have been doing this event for a long time so there's a lot of experience in here but if you're a raven you know how to win at the global stage and if you're coming in with this like rebirth of who you are in the sport i think that's like a deadly combination that we should watch out for the dark horse that uh you know does not have an american flag next to her name is gabija galvedite and uh, so yeah, the lithuanian Galvedite, there we go. That's a better pronunciation than whatever I just did. Um, but she's run two flat and is twice the NCAA runner-up. And I always look at people's progress, like middle distance runners' progression during the cross-country season versus how they've done in the past. And for an 800 runner, she came out always 48th at NCAAs. And it's like really like... That is a, a new strength unlock that she had never previously had. And so all year, I am looking at her as, look, she's not only going to potentially challenge Michaela Rose at the NCAA Championships, who just ran the second best yeah. NCAA indoor of all time, but she's a potential finalist and is a potential metal threat if she times things right and continues to get stronger. And so, um, you know, she's had a solid indoor season so far. She, she ran 202. 
Uh, but look, no one in this field so far this indoor season has indicated that they're really ready to rip yet. It seems like on paper, this would probably get one in about two flat. So she's going to be in it. Yeah, that's that's what I really think. Right. Anyone on this list could win this race. Right. And I really think that'll set the tone for whatever happens the rest of the season. So yeah. who's your pick? I'm going Raven. Yeah, I'm I'm going Raven, but I really like Olivia. You you kind of can. I'm going Olivia. Olivia. <laughs> I'm going Olivia. You going Gabby Gavadite? Just for fun, yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah, <laughs> love it. Um, all right, let's go to the women's two mile. I think was the next one up on the schedule. Now this one, it's it's stacked. Um, both the two mile races have, I mean, heavy hitters. Alicia Monson, who won the 3K here last year, versus the U.S. 1500-meter champion, Nikki Hiltz. But then just a couple of days ago, you know, we get the news that Laura Muir has decided to pass on defending her Wanamaker Mile title and is moving up to the two-mile because she ran a really fast 3K uh, during in December at just a low Cardiff in Cardiff. Yep. But apparently it wasn't on the World Athletics calendar, and so it didn't have the proper certification to count towards the World Indoor Championship qualifying. And so that, her season is just that meet, this meet, and World Indoors. So she's going to run the two-mile, get a three, uh, 3K split that will count towards that. And now it makes the race interesting because, one, we're guaranteed it's going to go fast. And, two, how does Alicia Monson respond to that? Monson, who... The only thing we've seen so far this indoor season was her pacing that 5K at BU and look good. I think when Laura Muir switches into this race, it just becomes arguably the most interesting race of the entire meet, right? Like there are really, it's a toss up between four women of who can win this. Okay. Uh, that, I mean, tell me if I'm, if I'm missing someone, but I see this as a race between um, Munson, Muir, uh, uh, who are you for? I yeah. don't know. Tanaka? <laughs> like, throw Wayman in there? Wayman. Wayman. Okay. So then I think it becomes really like a three-woman race. Whereas before, I, I felt like it was just going to be the, the Alicia Monson show a little bit. Is that fair to say? Like, I felt like it was, she's won the race three times before. She looked good. And I just feel like all of a sudden, like, Laura Muir is that storyline there. Like, Nikki could come out and mix it up. Courtney could, but it feels like a little bit more of a toss-up now, and it's going to go fast because every time Laura Muir steps on the track, it's going to go fast. And to have her and Alicia Munson, two athletes who race very similarly in that way, they're going to be fighting for the one who gets to sit on the rabbit, which is yeah. such a rare thing. I mean, so... I just see two athletes who are really not going to be scared to push themselves yeah. really, really hard early and on. We have our two Ethiopian athletes as well who have run 830s in the 3K. Yeah. Also, we're going to mix things up too. So th this, the real question is, if it goes fast, like how close are we talking to the U.S. indoor record set by LA, LA St. Pierre yep. uh, over Nine, in ten. Staten Island? So I'd love to see that go down just because I like to see a record broken at a meet. We can't have one without in this day and age. Um, I think that's really interesting. It's a big field, 14. Maybe someone's a pacer, so 13. In here, I think Lori Barton just raced. I'm not sure. She might be pacing, yeah. She might be pacing. So 
I, I want these women to go fast. The funniest thing in this field, if you look at the start list to me, is Emily Infeld's has her high school PR on there, ten thirty one twenty six. She put on her she put on her Instagram story today. It was like so glad they brought that one up. Uh, but I think this is going to be a good test. Like we've seen some marks from Wayman. We've seen we know Monson's going to be fit, but there also could be someone mixing it up. But I an A plus day for me would be seeing the American record go down. Yeah, am I? Is it, Kyle, you wrote about this in the lab count a couple weeks ago following the really fast 5Ks at BU about just how the it was a win for all the other shoe brands and, like, the advances we've seen in spike technology. Like, I don't think we should overlook NAZ Elite here based off of, like, what Adrian Wilshut did in Boston. It's like, Chrissy Gear, now you remove the uh, water barriers and, like, the hurdles. It's like U.S. steeplechase champion. I get that Monson's on a whole nother level being the 5K, 10K record holder. But there's a subplot here that it's like we could see some really good races from someone like her. Well, Chrissy wasn't a steeplechaser until <laughs> last spring. Like, she had done it once before a long time ago, but... That should have been my plan. What was <laughs> I thinking? <laughs> so, so she definitely is someone who has proven that she can run flat races really well and now yeah. is the U.S. steeplechase champ, like, yes. We just don't know because, you know, we haven't seen a race yet this season. Um, and then Medina Issa has run 14-16. Uh, you know, she wasn't necessarily with Jess and Ellie last weekend, so I don't know if she's currently in fourteen sixteen shape. But look, like if you ran eight thirty two a week ago, then that means that this weekend you're gonna be in that nine ten range. Like it's that is very much within reach. Um, and so if you're under the American record pace again for Ethiopia, uh, the Ethiopian record's a little bit harder because it's, it's world the world record. But is that Baba? Yep, So, so yeah, she's babe. she's someone that we definitely can't sleep on. I don't uh, have a prediction, but let's see a record go down. All right, wait. So we're not going to do predictions on this one. Okay. I'm, well, then my mind's Monson record. Okay. Lorem, your world record. World record. Whoa. I think it's I, I I think it's such a rare time for Lormier who's. 3,000 meter personal best is from 2017, which is a testament to how long Laura Muir has been this good. But if she was running as competitive times as she was by herself in Cardiff in December, then I think that things have obviously only progressed from there. I don't think nine flat is like a crazy time. I don't think it's crazy. I just am like a little cautious if they could get a, a pacer. She has Alicia Monson. I know she's Alicia Monson, <laughs> but it, it kind of depends what Alicia wants to do. But if they're willing to go fast, I agree with that. Yeah. But if there's a pacer in there, I think it could really mess things up, honestly, in this race. And kind of, I kind of think we should just like take the rabbit out and let them see that they can yeah. do. Let them get going, but short, short I was term say, rabbit. Yeah, I, I think Laura Muir is probably going to take this. I, I don't think, I can't predict a world record, but just the fact world that. World record's so fast. It's like insane. <laughs> Dababa was like throwing down world records like nothing back then. <laughs> like 10 years ago, though. It's yeah. time. Yeah, she was 14. Like, come on. <laughs> things have changed. Um, she didn't even have like, the shoes. But if I told you that last weekend, if Laura Muir had raised Jess and Ellie, like, do not put her right in there. And an 824 is not very different from nine flat. Like, it's a few seconds. Yeah. And now you have Alicia Munson, who is one to turn the screws and really, like, keep this thing going. 
it's just not the craziest thing. And we're having only- fun on our preview show. Yeah. And so I'm throwing world record in. Tune into the Milrose games. <laughs> I guarantee Laura Muir breaks the two-mile world I record. I can't wait to see how this ages. I'm so excited. My, my only hesitation, and I'll pick Laura Muir for the win, not world record, though, is because I think coming off of the BU meet and just remembering kind of some of Coach Jathan Rissenheim's comments afterwards, it was that they're a little bit behind on, like, they're training like three or four weeks behind on they had a later start to things like he's sandbagging so you i think i like I, and alicia also had covid i think about a month or so ago so she seems to be on the mend and like is obviously lining all up. right let me ask you this question if you're alicia munson and you have laura muir in the race then how do you beat her except to go hard you're not gonna like no you laura, don't go. like that's Alicia's best chance of actually winning the race is making and it fast. And Laura definitely has better top speed, so. And they're like, is clearly strong and, you know. But in Alicia's, like, historical performances, that's how she wins. She doesn't win in the last 200 of races. She wins by just beating everyone to a pulp. And it doesn't matter if that is, you know, someone from the U.S. or, you know, someone of Laura Muir's range and ability. Like, if that's your best way to race, then you got to do it. And so, um, for that reason, I see it going fast. It's not going to lag. For that reason, I'm out. All right. (laughs) Kyle predicts a world record. Stick him in his guns. All right. Let's move real quick. We'll touch on the women's high jump. I mean, Yaroslav Mahuchik is the star of this one. Uh, Opened up with a... 204 yeah. uh, clearance, the highest I think she's ever. It's, it's number one in the world, reigning world champion. Yeah, it's gonna be her. I mean, it's probably gonna be her. I'm I'm just excited the fact I love to see Europeans coming over to okay. the US to compete yeah, yeah. here. So seeing Mahuchik here, I mean, Vashlai Cunningham, you know, she's a I think she's a previous world indoor champion from when she was like in high school. 2014, or, I think. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So that might be good, but yeah, I mean, Mahuchik is probably gonna take something that I'm really looking forward to in the women's high jump is that it's gonna be center stage tomorrow oh, really? so yeah, so normally when you think about the milrose games i was looking at the 2008 milrose game schedule uh the other day because it was i, I was like wow like sunday one o'clock that's like an interesting uh, <laughs> I, I vaguely recall being on the track at msg in 2008 super late at night i looked it up that meet ended at 10 30. wow so like on a friday night so that's an interesting shift from the garden this to is here. gonna happen this is kyle plugging his yeah, milrose games really win from oh i didn't say it. you brought it up um i was just gonna talk about the schedule um but he was back <laughs> the year was Hester 2008 my hair was long and my dreams were big and my singlet was huge <laughs> it was um but back at you know, the MSG days, they would have 40 minutes allotted to just the shot put, meaning nothing else was happening under the lights, shot put center stage. It was really unique experience. And they've done similar things at the armory this year, no shot put. Instead, the women's high jump starting when it is at 145 towards the end of the meet is going to have all eyes on Yaroslava and like the prime time, like seats right in front of everyone. And it's just... Again, like that's the opportunity that you get indoors that you don't always get outdoors. And I think specifically for certain events to get that highlight that you wouldn't ever get outside of a world championship is really fun. Very true, very true. Yeah, last year with the shot put, it was like center stage, you know, everything was like set up for it, so. We don't talk about last year's shot put. (laughs) (laughs) True. Oh, that's right, I forgot about that. Um, All right, then real quick, before we take a very brief break, 
Uh, we've got the women's 300 meters, and this it's a smaller field. You got Leah Anderson, Talitha Diggs, uh, Rested at Adelike, and Candice McLeod. Uh, Talitha Diggs making, I think, her indoor pro debut. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of this one? I, my take? Adesha Hodge is in the high school girls section <laughs> of that one. She's a world championship semifinalist. She should be in this race. Her in this one. She should be in this race. This would be perfect for Adesha Hodge. Right? Yeah. Six lanes thrown no, in one of them. Do they really, though? What? Yeah. I don't think they do have enough lanes. There's Not good lanes. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, lanes. True, true, true. <laughs> yeah, lanes. Not good ones. <laughs> okay, Adesha, you can... high school kid, the worst lane. Yeah. You can... <laughs> But I mean, I'm I'm excited. I think um, Rashida, she's gonna take this. She's like a triple threat from like the 60 to the 200 to the 400. Um, you know, she did really well at Worlds last year. I think she's gonna do well here. But Talitha Diggs, her pro debut. She's a USA champion in the past, NCAA champion in the past. She made the world final last year. So I, I think Talitha Diggs is gonna be a set the tone for what I don't know. The women's 400, in a sense, for the USA is gonna look like this year. Um, for I want the moment where we have Eamon Coughlin and Adelike just kind of like giving a fist bump or something <laughs> like that. It'd be just an iconic moment in Irish track and field history because we know that Eamon Coughlin never misses a Milrose Games. Yeah. Well, I'm excited board. for um, Adelike because last year the season ended a little bit prematurely, wasn't able to come back and run a relay. And, you know, it's like, oh, well, what's going on in the offseason? It's like, ah, well, she opened up in 51-1. She's yeah. fine. <laughs> like, she is firing on all cylinders. And, you know, to your point, like, I always just love when a smaller country has a, a metal threat and yeah. how much they rally behind that opportunity. And so, you know, having spent some time in Ireland since she's really come on the scene, like, I mean, people are talking about her. And so Eamon's definitely going to give her that fist bump and is rooting for her. All right. So we're going to, real quick, Bandit supported nine Olympic marathon trials qualifiers. They're supporting us here this weekend, bringing you all of the coverage from the Milrose Games. And in the weeks leading up to the trials in Orlando, they went and hit the hometowns of several of those qualifiers for video series that they're calling Dialed. Uh, I've watched uh, the episodes, and they're fantastic. Really uh, job well done by John Rice and the crew uh, who filmed that. I mean, you're on the Sidious Mag YouTube channel right now. If you have a second, go and subscribe to the Bandit running YouTube channel. Uh, they're going to be posting videos like this all the time, all throughout the year. They've got plenty of support for kind of like those sub-elite, un unsponsored athletes. And so the storytelling is really compelling. Here's a quick look at the Dialed series by Bandit. I blew to a T, like I daydream of like what I want to achieve. Like this is my first attempt at the trials. This is my second marathon ever. From that race on, like, I told myself, I'm, like, I'm going to do everything in my power to be able to race with these guys. All right, in addition to watching the videos, you can also show your support for our sponsor, Bandit, by visiting banditrunning.com. Use promo code Sidious20 for 20% off your first order. And then at the same time, their membership program just relaunched. So check that out for 
early access to products. I mean, something sometimes things sell out so quick, it pays off to have the membership. Uh, they've got events. They'll just keep you in the loop on all things Bandit. So thanks to Bandit for supporting us. Let's dive right back in to all of our preview action. It's, it's These are the three biggest races, I think, of uh, the of the meet. So we start with the men's two-mile, which features a clash between 1,500-meter world champion Josh Kerr and U.S. Uh, 5K and 10K outdoor record holder Grant Fisher. But then all of the names behind that are also really strong. Morgan McDonald, Kieran Lund, uh Samuel Firu, Kata Sato, Joe Klecker, George Beamish, Cole Hawker, and I believe AJ Ernst is going to be the pacer, or they might have two pacers in this one. But, I mean, I love just kind of like how months ago when I had Josh on the podcast, he immediately threw out the world record talk, and it wasn't like a firm commitment, like I'm going after the world record, but I think he's sticking to the guns, and it sort of comes on the heels of Jakob being a Briton changing people's perception of like, no, you can run to back-to-back sub four marathons without any break miles yeah oh yeah yeah miles. <laughs> he's got the olympic trials on the mind yeah, yeah. it's a dialed series i just well th- that world record 803.40 hold by mo farah for the indoors yeah countrymen so you can see why you it's want a, you need the british record you need the world record you need yeah. it to go down i think that the exciting thing for this is that you've have some athletes who have raced uh, like a lot of them actually don't race this that often so you know some extra meters in the race like anything can happen I keep going back and forth on this. 803 is so fast. Like, think about it. You're coming through 3K and 730 and continuing on. I think the difficult part here is that Josh is now coming and calling his shot versus last year. You know, the pressure is on. This is probably the biggest stage that he'll be racing on, um, you know, since the World Championships. And he's said it for months that he's going for this one time. And that is just an immense amount of pressure, something that we do know that he can handle. But when you consider the way that he won the 3K last year, it was sitting back, letting other guys doing it, and then coming on strong the final 250 meters. Now the expectation is like, all right, you're the one, you're the one saying this whole 803 number, you go do it. In advantage. Could it be a bluff? It'd be a hell of a bluff. I, as a meat director, I wouldn't love this bluff. <laughs> I'd be like, no one's going to trust us in the future. I got you two pacers. Yeah. You better try. And the, the advantage here is I'm almost positive AJ Ernst is the pacer. And He's been doing a heck of a job. He ran 352. He just yeah. ran like That's what you need. You need someone who's good enough to be in the race. If they're going to bring him substantial enough distance to get him close, assuming he's the one up front. And again, if you're asking for the pace and you've been saying it for months, the responsibility sort of falls on you. Joe Klecker, for once, take it, take the night off. Uh, you get to ride the, the Josh Kerr train this time around. It just seems really, really fast. I'm not saying it's impossible. We don't know what sort of shape he's in. Clearly something good. Um, but it is really fast. A lot of these guys are coming off 5Ks too. So they're coming off like the strength build and then coming down. So Kyle, what do you think about that versus, like, you know, like you were saying, this world record, the time they're going for is extremely fast. Seems like you need to be a little sharper than coming from the strength aspect. If you've done all your fall miles, you're coming off some 5Ks at BU. Yeah, I think that they're they're strong, and at least from like a mental standpoint, you know, it's probably easier at this point of the year to go from five to um, the two mile. But 
I, I'm just, I guess I'm just doing the math. Like, I, look, 30 flats are not fast in and of itself. A lot of these guys would be able to go out and dip below, you know, 350 for the mile potentially right now. And so I, I just don't, I'm not necessarily worried about the cadence or race sharpness, just no one has necessarily done anything at this point that indicates it. But again, we haven't seen what Grant Fisher is up to. We've got no clue. Um, yeah, so if you're Grant, do you just sit and watch if Josh, but without letting Josh get away, do you just sit in that second position? Yeah, I mean, look again. If you're the, if you're the talker, yeah, which Josh love him for it has done a lot of like, since it's when, every week. There's a new article know, from the British press. I know one guy in Norway who is definitely watching this race <laughs> with. Uh, you <laughs> like know, he should just come, thoughts. Jakob. Come on, right? like keep yeah. it interesting. We need <laughs> well, you he's here. Hurt and he's got like I. I I mean, he usually goes to leave-in, which is also this yeah. weekend. But I mean, like, yeah, an I would hour. love for just like a live reaction camera on him. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do think that we know Josh is really fit, and historically, he only shows up when he's fit, and he backs up the majority of things he's ever said he's going to do. Um, and he's had the most consistency in coaching, training. I think someone like a Grant Fisher, this is a new situation for him. He can't possibly be training in Utah right now. Grant's a wild winter. card. A wild card. But I think there's something to be said about the athletes who haven't changed anything going into the Olympic year versus the ones who have really turned their worlds upside down and said, hey, like, we're starting fresh. Yeah. I mean, you got to like uh, Jordy right now, yeah. right? I mean, he won the, the – what was it? 3K in 739 two years ago here in a massive classic Jordy finish, um, you know, is, and he just came off of a great 5K. You know, I, I love that he was pissed he didn't break 13. Like, how things change in a couple of years is amazing, that perspective. But looked really, really strong in that 5K. And I think if someone is going to challenge Josh, it's Jordy. In a similar vein, like, are we overlooking Cole Hawker here? Because it's, you know, the conversation I had with him, like, he's never felt this confident or this good this early on in the season. He's... He made the move out to Virginia. Things seem to be going well. He's got Cooper with him now. But I guess for, yes. for the both of you, like, do you see this in a very similar vein to Nikki taking on the two-mile uh, as, like, a double the distance might be too much? Yeah, I mean, Cole, in addition to having run fast 5Ks in his yeah. life and on the so college level. Case. I feel like it's very different than Nikki's. Situation. Okay. Yeah, Nikki hadn't run. A sh they yeah, ran nine oh three. I forget now. Cole won USA. Yeah, Cole. I mean, Nikki is very sh a stronger, like more. You know, fifteen five k versus an eight five. So I, I definitely think we're my, backing uh, to your question. Like, I definitely think we're overlooking Cole. Yeah. The one thing I will say, like, this is this one's before, but I love when the OAC makes it feel like a home meet when everyone just starts to win across the meet. And I think once you get that energy going, like we've seen that a couple of times and you're like, you know, over in Europe and you're like, wait, what just happened? Like how did OAC just keep racking up these wins? So I think if we get some of that energy going, and if the men's is before the women's two mile, like if something special happens here, I think we could see something special on the women's side too. On the topic of Cole, you know, he ran – Fine at the U.S. Cross Champs, he, you know, he, he didn't make the team. Like he wasn't in I think that. Both those guys are training through it. Yeah, like, but it, it's close. It was in Virginia. He got out there, and I don't think of Cole as a 10k cross runner. I think he's strong. I think he can handle a two mile. But 
Um, whereas Cooper, a little bit more establishing cross. But Cole had a strong race. But then I don't think anyone realized that those guys both raced 1,000. Cole beat Cooper running 218 in a 1K very quietly. I don't know if there was even any other finishers in that race. So if Cole and, look, obviously Cooper's 51 U.S. cross and came out and ran 219, for Cole to then beat him and run 218, he's ready to go. Something is something is there. So It's kind the, of a wild card race. Like, I honestly don't know what's going to happen here. Mm -hmm. I really don't have a strong prediction either way. I wish we had a big board and we could just, like, kind of, like – place people if this out happens, of the hat one then by this one and then like this is the finishing order but I'll tell you this I think like eighth place in the field is gonna run <laughs> eight ten yeah. well, if you go to the, <laughs> go to the <laughs> records tab on this one if you're on the Milrose website you'll see that there's records of people in the field so yeah we'll see something happen all right any hot prediction <sighs> I just Jordy's gonna make this a race is my prediction I think the question will be in the last 200, has Josh put enough distance on him? Because I think for Jordy to go out as fast as Josh is intending on doesn't necessarily lend himself to his style. But if there's a moment of weakness when the rabbits step off and Jordy can reattach, that last 200 will very much be a race. I don't think Josh is running away. I'll go Grant Fisher. Yeah. I have a hard time betting against him in any situation, regardless of all the changes, so. Uh, when's the last time Grant raced here at the Armory? It must be since high school. Uh, he's not a big like. What's Wasn't Grant's indoor background yeah, even? Yeah. Like I feel like it's not usually on the yeah, schedule I, for those guys, other than paced Bowerman yeah, adventures. Hippie, <laughs> you. Anderson, any hot takes on this one? I mean, I'm looking at Josh. I feel like Josh. I don't. I think he wants to. Of course, prove he's a world champion. He doesn't want to like show his cards, or he, you know, maybe wants to show his cards. The fact that like I'm putting out there that I'm going for a record, but I don't, I don't know if he's gonna. Woo, the record is crazy. I don't know if he's gonna get the record, but I think he's he wants to prove himself. All right, can we buy or sell the amount of trash talk in the men's fifteen hundred right now? Is it has it's, it? <laughs> there's a lot, and now crazy. Whiteman's involved again. I mean, keep it going. Yeah, like, I, I, I'm, I'm buying it. I'm going to buy it if we can see some races pre-Olympics. I also, yeah. you know, I love the fact that, you know, I think there's no bigger supporters of journalism than Josh Kerr and, and Jake Whiteman and Jakob Ingebrigtsen because they're supporting the British press and the Norwegian press. They're keeping those guys employed, writing articles every single week. They're giving them good material. Keeping so. Google Translate as your <laughs> favorites tab. Yeah. Trying to figure out. What's going on with Jakob's Achilles? Is it? Um, so I'm buying it. Yeah. You're buying. Yeah, I'm probably buying it. I'm buying. But they have to race each other, that, right? To, like yeah. that's it. Like if you just talk all year long and we only see one matchup, it's less exciting in my World mind. Indoor. Wait, you don't want. So you want you want them to go head to head at the Oslo Diamond League. I want to see uh, three head to heads between these guys. Yeah, I want to see that. Back and I know, but I I I think they're gonna they're gonna save it till the Olympics. I mean, think of if Jakob beats Josh a couple times during the regular season. It was like, yeah, I told like he's, he's going like, to I told, I told you, you so. 98, 98 out of 100. 100 times. I told you so. <laughs> you know, like that will only, I don't know, add fuel to the fire yeah. for everyone. And talking about the miles. Yeah, yeah. Feels like a good time. Yeah. All right. So let's do it. Because it's sort of we wish these guys were all running the oh, mile. Running the mile right <laughs> That's now. what we're talking about. <laughs> um, well, let's, let's kick it off with. The women's mile, and then we'll save the fireworks for for the for the final part of the show. Uh, 
women's Wanamaker mile, so no defending champion because Laura Muir switched to the two mile. Um, so, Ellie St. Pierre, who has won this one twice before, I'm pretty sure. Uh, 416. Yeah. Has, you know, the American record. I feel for Josette, who's come close two twice. years in a row. But I, it's a it's a strong field. I think, like, Ellie becomes the one to watch in this one, especially a week after losing to Jess Hall, who's also in this race. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of like that rivalry forming as well. Yeah, I, I mean, last weekend, Ellie, who I'd already answered the question of, is she going to be able to come back quickly after giving birth to her son, Ivan? Fifth Ave answered that question. Yeah. <laughs> fifth Ave, she ran 423. <laughs> so for her to come back and run 825, it was just like, yeah, like this is what we expect now because we, we knew if you're already that fit in September. But now extrapolating that down to the mile, it's like, oh, man. If you were in 423 shape in September, what are you ready to go now? I will say that last weekend, and I, this is like meant to be a compliment, I don't think she looked great last weekend. I think she was running on tired, heavy legs that were in training, and she was able to muscle out in 825. And I bet this week she backs off a little bit, a week with two races back-to-back, -back, and comes out with a ton of pop in her legs and is ready to get after it, start cranking out some 63, 64s early. The thing about Ellie that I think that, yes, she's bounced back from having her baby, but it's she posted on her story like, oh, a hotel room, I've slept through the night. Like, she <laughs> is not, like, running at the same, like, yeah. rest recovery lifestyle right now. And it, you know what? She probably is pretty tired, like, training through all this, but no one is stronger than Ellie. No one knows how to race indoor better than Ellie and I think that she's going to get a lot of energy coming back to this race where she's won before so I think up front we're going to see that I also we have a lot of other Americans in the field that you know Danny Jones has been coming like coming around this season Helen Schlachtenhofen so Josette Andrews of course so I think that there's just a lot of storylines here I think of course up front we'll see Josette Jess Hull and Ellie kind of taking it those would be my favorites in the front. I, I just love this race so much. They make it so crowded. <laughs> you know. This is the opposite of the men's field, by the way. It's, there's 13 people who are going to be on the track for this one. Yeah, they have 13 people. I'm sure someone's a pacer, a pacer yeah. as well. Maybe yeah, I I it's Sadie. You think it's Sadie? Yep. But there, this is where magic happens. And I think Ellie will want to recreate something to propel the rest of the season because I know how much it killed Ellie sitting out last season during those yeah. world championships. Well, world championship uh, medalist indoors previously. See if we can hopefully replicate that later in the season. But I, I think the the question here is Gisette. Like, is she going to mix it up with Jess and Ellie? Is she on that pack that is going for she it? She got the Olympic standard in the 5K. Mission I mean, accomplished there. She Look, she's run 420 here. like a physical enough athlete for indoor. I think that's something like, just that's such a smooth, like has a lot of rhythm running. But I think something about like the the physicality of indoor, like you've seen it with Jess Hall. Like Jess did a 1K against Nikki. Jess, Jess and Ellie were going at it. We're going at it. But right. that's, that's my yeah. thing. I think yeah. Josette is definitely in the fitness to win this race. I just don't know about like the tactics. I don't know if it'll matter. I don't. I, I. It might not be crowded enough. And I. I would say, looking back to last year's race, 
in terms of aggressiveness, at least, she did take it from Laura Muir at one point before getting passed back late in the race. So I think that the timing of the kick is going to be everything for her here. Because I agree, I do think the fitness is there. I'd say that winning time, we're looking under 420. Yes. How far under? I don't know, but like, but I'm is saying the American this, record this under threat? OAC thing, I'm telling you, if they're having a good meet, like, then the momentum. If, if there's momentum in the two miles for OAC, like, I'm rooting for Josette. I'm telling you, there's something there. I, I need to coin a term for it. I think also there's, a, I, I like the point that you made, Dana, because. There's something about Josette where she's already kind of declared that this year the focus is going to be on the 5K, and she was kind of like drifting in limbo between 5K, 1500 over the last couple of years. It's like once she got the Olympic standard secure, she's putting all her chips now towards the 5K that make the most of the opportunity to run a mile because there's going to be probably fewer 1500s come the outdoor season. So I think for her, it's like, you know what? I'm going to do this less often because my focus is going to be on the 5K. Balls to the walls. Like, this is gonna, it's going to be fast. Um, so I'm, I'm in for the Josette, Jess Hull, Ellie battle. It's come down to the final 200 the last couple years. Uh, and I think one other th one person you're sleeping on, I think, in this one is Anna Camp Bennett, who, like, has been that mile she had at BU a couple weeks ago. Just from the way we've seen Jill G. Taylor coached athletes race at, you know, the Dr. Sander Invitational and at the Millrose Games in years prior, like just I, Whitney uh, Orton just kind of gluing herself to Alicia Monson and just being dragged as fast of a time as, as possible. I could see Anna Camp Bennett doing something similar too, so maybe not for the win, but could have a chance to drop that personal best even further down from 427. So just another name to throw out there. Anderson, what do you think? We're going all nerdy on the miles here. Yeah. Listen, I, I really like Josette. I've, I feel like it's a no pressure situation yeah. where she can just like go out there. Like you said, it's not gonna be like her focus throughout the year. She's looking at the 5K. Go out there and attach yourself to Jessica Hull, to Ellie, right? Like. But I think at the top, I do think that Ellie is going to really step things up. And coming up, I think she wants to like prove herself. Like you said, she couldn't compete last year. She was one of the most dominant back in 2021, 2022. She wants to get back in the fold and say, I'm really going to be in the mix. So I think Ellie is going to really put a statement out today or tomorrow. I, I think no matter what, tomorrow, when you look at the final results, you're going to see one of those PB, 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 yeah, PB, yeah. NRs, NR, 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 <laughs> like, like all the way the down board. the board. Um, from an NCAA perspective, I think it's really cool. My Ramsden is in here. Yep. Uh, this is, you know, I, I don't know. That NCAA record might be a little bit too far out, but also get, getting in uh, a race like this, it is just shut your eyes, look at the back of the person in front of you, and wake up with 200 meters to go and give it everything you got. And all of a sudden, like, she has proven in the 1500 as well that she has wheels. I don't think going out in 212 is too fast for her. No. And I think, yeah, 427 is the current NCAA leading mark by Kimberly May. And, she, yeah, she's the NCAA 1,500-meter champion. So I think, like, we haven't even tapped, uh, you know, anywhere near Maya Ramson's potential in this event. So, yeah, I mean, women's want to make her mile. It's going to be awesome. Now, the final event of the meet, the men's want to make her mile. Uh, which right now, if you head on over to the Sidious Mag Instagram page, we have a prediction contest up with Bandit Running, where 
It's actually a really fun concept here because you are going to be rooting for a slow race. And why is that? <laughs> Even though there's been all this world record talk, you want the race to be as slow as possible. I'm talking like my pace slow. Like you want is to be won in five minutes because the prize is a gift card to banditrunning.com that will correspond with the winning time. So if the winning time is 346, then that is a $346 gift card. If the winning time is five minutes, then that is a $500 gift card. So enter your predictions. All you got to do is drop the name of the athlete you think is going to win their winning time. Include the decimal because, you know, you don't win unless you get it exactly right. And then uh, all you have to do is follow Sidious Mag and Bandit, like the post, and may the best person win. And hopefully they run super slow. Um, How many decimal places? One? Two decimal places. Two decimal yeah, places. Yeah. So if it's like your guess has to be 346.10 or whatever it might be. You, we're not giving this is you technical. The, we're not giving you the sense, uh, <laughs> but we're just going to give you the flat, you know, first three digits of the whole thing. So um, it's a creative uh, it's a creative uh, concept. The problem, though, is I don't think this is going slow. No. So the problem <laughs> for everyone is... You know what? The good thing about this is that <laughs> 340-something dollars is still some great bandit gear. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I will drop the link uh, to the prediction contest in the YouTube chat so that people can drop their guesses. But in the meantime, I guess, Kyle, this race... At first, when it was announced, like was kind of billed as a yard and a goose world record attempt. All right, <laughs> <laughs> fix the hat. <laughs> fix the hat. <laughs> I feel for those followers of the Sidious Mag Instagram and Twitter. Sometimes, you know, you see a link, you see a headline, maybe you disagree with it. You know, we're not experts. We we're just we're just out here having fun. <laughs> and sometimes I we're see headlines. Passionate. I see a headline, and I'm like. That's not true. Who wrote this article? Uh, and I'm going to get blown up by him right now. But this week, David Melly wrote an article in the preview basically saying it's Yair Nagus versus the clock. And I, I scratched my head. I'm like, what are you talking about, Yair Nagus versus the clock? Versus like six other guys. I don't think there's... Just because he ran well here last year and because he ran well last spring, I'm not ready to hand him the Wanamaker mile just yet. Like hard stop george mills just beat him in a 5k yeah, yeah. and is a 347 miler like what why are we not saying that he has a shot our dear friend david melly is that he does like to stir the pot in yeah. a good way he got me all, going and all these guys in this field probably also saw that article and now are gonna say yeah no way i'm here too if they weren't already fired up enough i mean i also then i think of Cooper Tier, who we were just saying, is definitely fit, ready to go. The two mile to the mile. But the main guy that I would take some personal insult to this idea that it's Garrett versus the clock is Hobbs Kessler because he Absolutely. just blew away the field in New crazy. Balance. Yeah, Anderson, what'd you see last week? He went crazy in that in Boston, and he he literally said, I think that he's gonna like hop um hop onto a yard and a goose for a fast race. So I think he definitely took some, you know, took some uh, notes off that. And I, I think he's going to put some down. Hey, and if I'm Hobbs, like at this point, he's seen yard enough times, both at U.S. championships. I mean, they just did mm -hmm. that road mile in, in Hawaii. Like, eventually it's going to hit. Oh, I mean, certainly going to hit. Um, you know, I, I just think Hobbs. How old is Hobbs now? Like 20. He's like 20 years old. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I have to do a Hobbs age check just for myself yeah. because I kind of forget how young he is. He's and got I think so much eligibility. Yes, so much eligibility. But he also gets so upset. When he like doesn't make a team or doesn't win in a way that you're like, oh my god, this man's been at it forever, and you're like, no, he's 20 years old. <laughs> and uh, I think for him, there was a little bit of of a transition, obviously, to this new professional lifestyle. And I think now he's fully established. He's found what worked. He's made some life changes, different points, and is spending more and more time in Flagstaff. And I think what we saw last week is someone who's no longer happy of just being the kid who's running fast. It's saying, no, I want to win races. And that's an addicting feeling that really started during the road champs when he wins Worlds. And to line up and immediately say, oh, Jake Whiteman, who's asking for 220 through the first 1K, that's not too fast. I'm going to sit right there and I'm going to blow it away super from very very far out i think I, th I bet there's a chance guys thought he had missed time the number of laps starting a 1500 indoors very weird uh you start on the opposite side it gets very confusing and i i personally had the thought of like what lap are we on why is he sprinting so hard so early but he holds on runs 333 looking fantastic and so when thinking about the potential time, all right, if the world record's 347 and that's what Yared is going for and has done before, why would we not think that Hobbs also has an opportunity to break 347 based off of what we saw at New Balance? And even just the fact he he beat out a world champion. If that's not motivation going into Milrose now, I mean, I don't know what is. Hobbs is really, like you said, getting into the realm of I am one of the best, right? I'm a consummate performer. I'm able to show up. So... I don't know. Hobbs could win this whole thing. Uh, final predictions for the Wanamaker Mile. We were hyping up Hobbs Kessler. What do you, are you are you sticking with it? Well, I'm gonna get this. Uh, I'm gonna get this thought out one more time because I don't know where Max' computer was when I was when I was going off on this. But I think the key for Hobbs that we we're looking for this year is his ability to take that fitness and ability to run fast and have it translate into more tactical races. I think that's a big downside of not having run in the NCAA before and having limited opportunities in that type of field that so he's not showing up to the trials surprised anymore and the and the Milrose games is that opportunity more so than the New Balance uh, Grand Prix was. And so for Hobbs, you can't go out in last and get buried and expect to go around. You're, you're legitimately two seconds behind at 200 meters if he doesn't get off the line well. So I think he needs to get out well, establish himself immediately, and say to the likes of Yara Nagus and George Mills, like, I'm going for this world record too. And if he can do that, I think his fitness is there. And if everyone's going to pick Yara, then I'm going to back Hobbs. <laughs> I am going to pick... Uh, I guess I'll pick Yard. Just like Chris has never once had a hot take in his life. No. <laughs> you're so come on. I play it safe. I It's because you know you're gonna have to go see Yared right now. Probably. You know, you're gonna be like yeah. He doesn't wanna end up on He doesn't wanna end up on the coffee club no, podcast. You want me to go I think it'll be George Mills. <laughs> Anderson? I, I mean I'm I'm picking Hobbs Kessler. I'm, wow. I, think he, I think he's going to pull the upset. Oh, wait. So if, yeah, if no one's taking Yared, I just want to go back Yared. and take Yared. Yeah. But right. I, I will also say, don't sleep on uh, Garcia Romo. He, he's like, you know, in the mix. You know, he's, you know, run super fast before. I think he might surprise some people. But last year, know. Mario was like the guy to yeah. go out and really make it a race. And I hope that expectation is not on him this year. Yeah. And I think it won't be. He didn't have a great 
5K at Boston yeah, a Boston, couple yeah. weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And so I think given that, if I'm Ritz, I'm thinking, hey, let's get this guy a win. I don't want him to have to, to take that burden, let him turn the brain off and just get a good one, get one on the board and hit a double. Yeah. Might also be running a little freer with the Katir news off, <laughs> like out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going rogue. All right. Cooper Tier. Cooper Tier. All right. Yeah, we haven't yeah. okay. really talked about go. him as, as much because it's like, Kyle, you've talked about this before. People forget how good Cooper is at the mile 1500. U.S. champ, but like in everyone's head, maybe People it's just because he's taller. Like there was like he's too tall. Guys. He's too Here, tall. Here's the thing about Cooper too. I think that I think that he's happy right now. Seems he's got a good situation going on. He's living his life, and I think happy runners are fast runners. So we'll see. I want to just call my shot right now that the NCAA record previously set by or pre currently held by Cooper Tier goes down. And then tomorrow. go down at the hands of Adam Spencer? No. Adam Spencer came 331, 12th place at London. We know he's going to be able to run fast in this type of race. I think Liam Murphy gets it. I think we're seeing a huge personal best out of Liam Murphy, and he runs 350 tomorrow. Villanova. Villanova boy, local to the armory. He ran 353 at Penn State, winning the race, closing in 54 low. And he's just a guy who's never had an opportunity like this before. He's run well in tactical races. We've seen him close as hard as anyone to win Penn before, but he's never had an opportunity like this in his life. And I think if he gets in there and just lets the field take him to somewhere that he's never been and is prepared to come through in a time that he's never seen on the clock, then I think that there's a world in which he gets dragged to that NCAA record. You called this, I think he was on your list of like the athletes from cross country season to watch. He's a guy who improved a ton from one cross country season to a next. And I just extrapolate you, that strength. It's, if, if you ran well in cross and you're a miler, I like what we got setting up. And, you, and his first race of the season looked great. And you were you were right about uh, Kimberly May. Yep, called it. All right. Put it the music there, in yeah. here has taken a turn. I feel like the energy is <laughs> shifting in the armory. Yeah. People yeah. are ready to go. There's a lot of people. Here now, Everyone guess, here like, is warming up. Shake out. Well, I'm, um, I'm so excited for tomorrow. I am too. You're I rocking mean, my bandit yeah. in the stands. All right, friends. This has been a blast. We've got to preview all of the top action from for tomorrow's Milrose Games. Be sure to tune in at 1 p.m. on NBC. It's the biggest sporting event that is taking place in the whole country tomorrow. We will not have Usher performing at halftime. Nothing else going on. Uh, no Taylor Swift. Actually, the Super Bowl doesn't start. talking of like, you know, will Taylor Swift make it from her concert in Japan tonight all the way to the Millrose Games and then go to <laughs> the Super Bowl? So, the Super Bowl forget. It doesn't start till 6.30, the Super Bowl. So, guys, yeah. we have time. The Millrose Games will be over. Yeah. If she went Japan, New York, Vegas... Upper it's West possible. Side to Greenpoint to shop at Bandit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, thanks to Bandit for supporting our pre-race show. Be sure to visit BanditRunning.com and use Sidious20 for 20% off your first order or get the membership, which allows you to get early access to products, access to some events. You're in the know with everything that they've got going on. It's a New York, Brooklyn-based uh, apparel company supporting the biggest meat in New York. So uh, we can't thank them enough for all their support. Uh, this is spring 2024, your first look. So uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. 
and we will be bringing you tons of interviews tomorrow. No post-race show this year. Uh, so stay tuned to the City's Mag YouTube channel. Be sure to like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Um, and we will catch you guys here again tomorrow. We love track and field. I love track and field.